0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. This is Rawls on the and
0: He lost a football right in the hands of Collins. Landed Collins down the sideline. And the Giants forced the first turnover of the game. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan.
1: Let's go, Apollos!
0: That's right, the How AAF.
1: About- <laughs> Coming soon, Grump, our companion podcast, Just Apollos.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> Orlando Apollos sitting on top of those standings in the Eastern Division. I think it is right.
1: How about Steve Spurrier is now six and zero in Atlanta. No, no, no. In uh, the first game that he coaches, whether it was Duke, the Bandits, Florida, Washington, South Carolina, the Apollos. I don't know he what that He won means. his first
0: game with Washington? Wow, that's impressive.
1: He did. Every, every, everywhere he's been, There, um, he's won his first game.
0: I always thought he got a raw deal in Washington.
1: I don't think he, I, I think when Spurrier went there, he was expecting to be able to coach like he did at Florida in the NFL. And it is not a 50 to 60 hour a week job, it is a 90 to 100 hour a week job. Yeah, and I, I, don't think, I don't think he, you know, I don't think it worked out for him that way. I don't think he liked the losing. I think, see, a lot of what he did also was very misunderstood you know, he brought in his first year. He brought in Danny Werfel. He brought in Shane Matthews. He brought in a lot of old Florida guys, not because he thought he can win with them, but they knew his offense. They mm-hmm. knew the fun and gun. And these guys were almost brought in to kind of like make the transition to, uh, a the quarterback they had back then.
0: Ramsey Ramsey. Remember him? Yeah. yeah. Well, not really, but yeah,
1: well, that was the guy they drafted and he was going to be their quarterback. So, I think people thought, oh, they're just bringing all the old Florida people to try to win with those guys. But that was never the plan. And uh, I think he just got frustrated. I mean, you know, he's, you know, he kind of bailed on South Carolina a couple of years ago and he was done. And he just, I think he just was like, the NFL isn't for me. So. Fair. Yeah.
0: But nevertheless, yeah, bridging the gap, a perfect offseason football season that starts the week after the, the Super Bowl and the AAF championship game, which I don't think has a specific name. I think it's just a championship, is the weekend of the draft. It's that Saturday. So that is actually oh, day nice. three of the draft. It's perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also, I'll have to be honest, I really watched very little bits and pieces. I've been very heavy into basketball mode and very heavy into the Knicks tank right now. But um, from what I saw, really, it was more just the presentation of it. I was pleased to see that CBS and the NFL network, and I thought it was interesting, was on the NFL network, mm-hmm. actually treated it like real football and not like a gimmick. Um, yes. For those of you that remember the XFL back in the day, that was just- It well, wasn't sides- that long ago.
0: It was like 2001, right?
1: 2001. Yeah. I mean, it's still, <laughs> this, is ni- this is 2019. Don't remind me. We're getting old. That was 18 years ago. Um but they treated it it was just goofy from the very beginning. You had wrestling announcers doing yeah. it. You know, you had goofy camera angles, you you know. I mean you, even
0: down to the cheerleaders were like basically wearing nothing.
1: Well, I was okay with that.
0: I'm just but, saying everything <laughs> about it was like watching oh, yeah. Monday Night Raw.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the, the football was a secondary part. I mm-hmm. mean, back in the old days in the USFL, that was
0: treated like real football. I, I And it remember- almost worked. That would have worked
1: it would have worked i think if they would have stayed in their lane and stayed with uh you know playing in the spring mm-hmm. not trying to compete, compete with the us yeah. the nfl thank you future president trump for that Yep. very good 60 for uh, 30 for 30 yes small started. potatoes yeah
0: <laughs> it's, it's an excellent documentary uh, it's one, small potatoes it's
1: one of the five best 30 for 30s that they did and um but yeah, I remember the USFL. I mean, Keith Jackson used to do the games on Saturday afternoons on ABC.
0: Um, I mean, if if you, you talk about the talent that came out of there, Steve Young, Jim Kelly, uh, Doug Flutie.
1: Herschel Walker. Herschel
0: Walker. Um
1: yeah, that was a Kel- Kelvin Bryant. I mean, these are lots of good guys that were lots of um
0: I mean, I think you could stop at Jim Kelly. I mean, really, right sure. there.
1: Sure, sure. So, um but yeah, I mean again. I didn't really get to watch that much other other than a few plays and stuff but uh it's going to take a while. I mean, think about it, let's put it in NFL terms, you know, if you have an expansion team that is playing in their first preseason game, it's going to look a little ragged. And, you know, it's it's not like these guys couldn't make it onto a college roster. I and mean, it's just
0: no, I well, look, I I had a little bit of a tweet thread about it. I think it's a great thing. Um, they've treated it like, a, like you said, like not cheese, like not a gimmick, like the S- XFL was some twenty years ago. Ugh. um, <laughs> But you know, it's good for the guys that deserve a second chance. It's good for guys, you know, maybe want a first chance. Yeah, th- there, there are dudes buried on rosters that are good enough to go to, a, you know, a South Carolina, but are stuck behind Jadavian Clowney on the depth chart. I mean, what are the odds? But you know, now you don't get to showcase your stuff and you're still a good football player. This is a perfect opportunity. You know, the guys who are one-year starters that NFL teams don't want to take a chance on, they give you a sixth-round draft pick, but, hey, the AAF will give you a first-round draft pick. And you can go it'll there be, and develop your skills.
1: It'll be interesting to see how that would work, though. I mean, if you're playing in a season that goes until late April, does that mean that you, you know, if you were to play in the NFL the next year, you have kind of like a half of an off season? Uh, you know,
0: well, I mean, look at it from a player's perspective. What really is an off season for them?
1: Uh, well, I mean, there's a difference between like running stadiums and and doing workouts and you know playing in games and getting hit and you know taking the abuse of a body. I, I mean, am- but so- but
0: we're talking about guys who probably aren't taking, you know, starter snaps. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I understand. So I mean, it, I, it'd just be interesting how that's all going to work out. Like the nuts and bolts of guys that are actually. And also, I mean, the, the NFL, I mean, sort of is giving its blessing to this league. I mean, the NFL network is doing games. They're so they're
0: treating it like a farm system. I think they're in full support.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's kind of be maybe like how the D-League started, how the NBA, at first they were just kind of independent teams. And then slowly but surely, you know, each NBA team owns their own D-League, now G-League team. I wonder— if this kind of turns into like a full blown farm league where you go from eight teams cuz i'm sure you can probably get 15 to 20 cities around the country that are second tier that would love to have a team like this i mean think of I've all the cities i always that are wondered
0: possible. about you know the iowas nebraska oklahoma you know all these sure. teams forced to root i mean they don't though i mean you know we go we go to when we went to charlotte did it seem like there were more people they're ragging on about NC State versus UNC versus USC.
1: A lot of Clemson talk. A lot of Clemson, yeah. South Carolina talk. I mean, Charlotte's like that.
0: Over that the that's like the yeah. the hangover Sunday afternoon fun thing is going to the Panthers game.
1: Well, look look at the cities where it's starting in year one. I mean, we're talking Memphis, which is a you know a Tennessee strong you know hold. Uh, Birmingham, an mm-hmm. hour from uh, Tuscaloosa. San Antonio, Texas is a huge you know football state, Orlando, an hour and a half from Gainesville mm-hmm. um, San Diego, you know it's still you know California's a football you know state as well, especially more in the high school and the college level. well, I guess they did have a team go to the Super Bowl, but uh yeah, I mean it's definitely if if they stay in their lane and just know what they want to be, it's something you know and if the people watching it on the first moment say, this is not the NFL, you know, but something that keeps you, piques your interest, it, they'll find a niche.
0: Well, I mean, I, think about how many guys who are losers like me that waste their time. And it is a waste of time to do this, by the way, watching the combine. <laughs> this is just like watching the combine, except it's more valuable information. It's actual tape it's It's more
1: valuable information, but are we uh, the same pool of people no as it's, valuable. it's it,
0: no, but it doesn't matter it's the 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 nobodies like me that watch the combine we're watching for a specific team, right I right. mean we're not contracted agents, you know scouting agents looking at hundredths of a second, you know for a right. job we're we're we are looking to round out our team, and so yeah, we understand that this isn't the best of the best. these aren't the you know, the Baker Mayfields of the world throwing the ball. But, well, you know, maybe it, there's a tight end there. Hey, we need a tight end. And this guy, he can he can hack it.
1: Yeah, what's going to be interesting about this, though, is like you're going to get guys that are going to be at least 12 months out of college. Like you're not going to see anybody go from college right into this league as a yeah. substitute for the combine. It's going to be basically just the way the timing works out.
0: This you is know, going to be those guys who get drafted. Maybe they barely make the practice squad. Maybe they don't. But there, you can tell that it's there. I mean, some of these guys yeah. that emerge on practice squads on year two, you know, this is for them. Uh you know, you know who else it's for? It's for you know, disciplined kids. You know, yeah. shunned.
1: It's interesting you say that because one of the guys they're touting is being in the, in the, um, Will Hill. the Orlando team is Will Hill. You know, a guy that...
0: Doesn't know, deserve a fifth chance? Florida.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe somebody that just... Uh, you know Ineligible. Like, he was recruited by a school but couldn't get his grades in, so he couldn't go to school or something. Maybe yeah. he plays there, or...
0: Who knows? Juco kids.
1: Hmm? It's just... The timing of it is just... That's going to be the interesting thing, playing January, February, March. You know... Again, if they're playing a season, they're playing 12, 13 games. Will their body be physically ready to play again in the fall? That's a lot of games to play in one year. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. But it's it's it's, it's interesting concept. I, you know, I definitely be paying more attention this week, and I'll have some more free time to see how it actually goes.
0: And I'm I'm sure that uh, there were some people that cringed when we said that it looked like good football. Uh, Yeah, it was a little bit shoddy for for, uh, two of those games, especially offensively. But just there's a couple things at play. A, they haven't really done anything yet. This is really like a scrimmage. And by scrimmage, I mean it's like peewee scrimmage. Give it time. (laughs) Give the offense some time to click. These guys have barely been around each other. They've barely done real offense work underneath their coach. You know, there's also rule changes. It's also weird for the coaches. It's all a little weird at first, but it didn't look like awful football. Yeah, um, I mean— But there's also going to be benchmarks. Like, this, by the end of this season, what we're going to see for the next season is a new crop of guys and a, a crop of guys who have had experience in the system. We're going to see a giant improvement in play. And once they have a real draft, real influx of college kids and not this, like, you know, startup league, you know— cast away nfl players quarterback draft weird thing they did you know it's not a real barometer of what we're going to see yet i think that we're looking at potential at this point and it looks like it has potential
1: once it builds legitimacy and once it looks like a real avenue and option for people to play in people you know players will start taking it more seriously too i mean sorry you know right now for this but there is that stigmata of the XFL and they thinking every new startup league is going to become a joke that yeah. wasn't the case before the XFL like when the World League started nobody thought that was a gimmicky league you know that was something the NFL put a lot of money into and invested into making it kind of a minor league yeah you know, unfortunately it was such a shit show the XFL the way it was presented and everything that
0: well they let Vince McMahon
1: i mean right. that's their own fault Right, and guess what they're doing it again, so
0: well, I did look into that because I was curious that they've learned from that mistake. so the guy who started the AAF um he saw the xFL as being a viable solution, but one of the critical errors is that they presented it like cheese, and they made it so there's a couple of cool things you know, they're taking away a lot of the unnecessary things that people complain about with football, and these games are a half hour shorter. There are, like, no commercials. It's the greatest thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, there's, there's like, one commercial, and you're back at action.
1: You know, there's something that at first I complained about, and now if they apply it right, will really make all the sports go faster, is this kind of, like, instant commercials where they split the screen and they kind of show – like, in football, they'll show, like, during a quick timeout, they'll show the huddle, but while they have, like, a 15-second commercial – if they apply that across all different sports like you know you can make in between half innings faster in baseball you know you can make a timeout in basketball go quicker by showing these things so it's you know it was is their initial attempt to kind of put as many commercials as possible but that can make a game go a lot faster
0: yeah they've completely er- uh, eliminated tv timeouts for this that was like it's like described in the description of the league so you know, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, that's cool," and I hadn't really realized how much of the timeout is that. It's like oh. everything.
1: I mean, how many times have you seen like,
0: you know, touch- you see it? Yeah, we see it when we're there, and we're like, "Why are we just standing around?" But yeah. it's totally different when you're on TV. I like I, by default, get up to go to the bathroom, and I don't even make it up the stairs, and it's back on. So I'm like, "Oh, I can hold it." Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's really that often and it's that quick now so it's it's very cool i i do think that there's a lot of stuff that's good and i'm gonna keep watching it because i'm not watching baseball so
1: (laughs) yeah well i mean the thing is about it is it's ever going to be really sustainable from a you know a rating standpoint and a fan standpoint is people have to start caring about the actual
0: teams sure that'll take time
1: and it's kind of funny and silly to see like you know they show the fan shot everybody's going crazy like they're so excited it's like Okay, that you might be actors, you may not be real fans, which the XFL did by yes. the way. They had actors in there.
0: Um one of the things that 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 the AAF has done that the USFL did not do is all but one of these franchises is in a non-NFL city.
1: Yes. I, again, I think you're going to have to actually it's going to take a while to build fan bases, real fan bases, and I think it's take a while to actually start gambling on it. And you know, we laugh, ha ha, but Gambling drives.
0: Listen, yes, that's that's a big thing. I think I said that on Twitter too. That's one thing that the AAF has that prior leagues didn't have is that they have gambling. And listen, you know, I can't speak for anyone else. I didn't know that this league was starting up this year. So it was cut, this weekend was a surprise for me. But just wait until next year when, um, I don't know, say the the Houston Texans are out of it early. Right, say they lose the divisional round or the wild card round. People in the area they don't really have anything, but now there's suddenly news in the area uh, as the AAF is getting revved up and practices are starting. You'll start seeing fan bases. You know,
1: I think it's going to be something kind of like, person like the Arena League, where out of sight, out of mind, but when it's back, it's back.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Once, yeah, once... But I
1: mean I but I mean I I think out of sight, out of mind being once the Super Bowl is over. I, I, mean, I, I don't think I don't think people I don't think people in cities like especially cities that have a team and they have an AAF team gonna be like, all right, well, you know, the Giants are out of it. Let's start thinking about this. I think full attention for that fan's gonna be on watching the rest of the playoffs. I,
0: I, I disagree. I think with social media it's different. I'm not talking about people in Houston. I'm pe- talking about people in the Houston area. Houston's out of it. It's not in their face all the time, but now you have Twitter. You start seeing, so- if you follow them, you'll see, you know, little practice highlights pop up more and more and more as they get closer to the start of their season. Your team's out of it. You don't really care about anything. I'm talking about the casual football fan, right? The
1: casual football fan's not going to give a shit about the AAF. Right. I mean, I, th- I, think- I think this is personally a league for diehard football fans. And and also to go to games, is, I'm sure the ticket prices are a fraction of the NFL cost. It's kind of like going to minor league. Well, baseball. They better be <laughs> like minor league baseball. You know, you have to be a pretty diehard baseball fan to go to a minor league game, but or drunk. Take the it's where, yeah, or drunk, <laughs> but take the family because it's really cheap. It's like a family of four can go for 25 bucks. So I think that's the exact same situation that this is going to be. Um, let me ask you something, Grump. I don't know if you saw it or not. The ratings. For Saturday night, you had AAF on at the same time as Houston, Oklahoma City, and basketball. It was just about the exact same. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they still did about, they each did about, I think, 2.1 million, which is for a Saturday night on network TV, really bad. But, you know, it's, you know.
0: One is an established league that has a very. Yeah. I mean, I know people that only watch basketball. They don't watch any yeah. other sports.
1: Oh, I know. I, that's a song you just from a benchmark of, uh, you know, if you get two million people to watch it. Now, a lot of it might have been the curiosity factor because when the XFL started, I don't have the number of millions, but the rating, I think it
0: nosedived very quickly after they that. They went first from reading.
1: a nine six down to a one eight in like six weeks. I mean, I believe like week eleven was the lowest rated program in network primetime history. It was They had another like,
0: thing too, because that was a deal with NBC. And I think Saturday Night Live got pushed back because of overtime.
1: Well they got super pissed off about it. Yeah,
0: I think Lauren Michaels had something to say. And right. that, that
1: was that was a deal between the between NBC and the WWF. Because if you remember, NBC maybe Four or five years earlier, lost the NFL. That's, oh, when Fox, okay. that's when Fox took over, because it used to be Fox, uh, CBS used to have the NFC, NBC used to have the AFC, and then when Fox took over, CBS moved the AFC, and the NBC was out. I mean, this is pre Sunday Night Football, hmm. you know, way before that. So they were this was like their entry to go back into lower cost sports. Like they did a lot of X Games esque type of sports in the late '90s, early 2000s. That's
0: right, you're right. The app is super interesting. I don't know if you downloaded it, but I did not. No. It's it's really weird, and I I think that there is something in the helmets because the stream of the game, I, you can actually watch the skycam, but the the default stream is like, um, I I don't know how to describe it. They're like little avatars. And they move in tandem with what's happening. And that's everything in between plays, too. The huddle, the substitutions, everything.
1: That's interesting.
0: It's super cool. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I'd rather look at the game, but it's cool that it's there.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's what kind of the next generation of the sport fans going to be. They don't care necessarily watching camera A and having the wide shot. They want, you know, these little, you know, little gimmicks and little games within the games. And then again, like you said... Gambling is legal, mm-hmm. and you know I talked to a buddy of mine who works for the, MB, for the um, MLB, and he was telling me about some of the things they're coming up with the next couple of years. that will blow your mind, you know, from a gambling perspective on the things you can gamble. So, um, you know, everything is segmented now and fragmented. You know, with music, how we watch and consume, you know, programming. There'll be a niche for this. I mean, and again, it doesn't. As long as they don't overshoot their skis and you know, start paying contracts that are out of whack, and you know, and they they could definitely have a niche.
0: I like it. I fully endorse, and I am a Apollo fan. Same here. <laughs> um, moving on to the Just Giants portion of this Just Giants broadcast. <laughs> um, we are rolling into our. Off-season programming, I'm starting to watch a bunch of film. Tomorrow's going to be a snow day. Uh, Not for work, but after work, I'm not going anywhere because uh, North Jersey's getting whacked with freezing rain or something like that. So that'll be fun to drive home in. But afterwards, I'll have nothing to do, so diving into a bunch of college film. And uh, before we get into the position-by-position breakdown that we'll do over the coming weeks, we kind of have to take a look at what this roster is now where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are, what needs to be upgraded, where we're good, you know, things of that nature. Um the cranky fan has identified the top 5 in his opinion spots that need to be upgraded, right?
1: I did, and I thought about it from a a short-term and a long-term perspective. Um because you know, it was very easy to say, we got to replace Eli Mm-hmm. But is that really an immediate need that needs to be fixed by week one next year? No, you know, there are, other needs that are more important. So I kind of was thinking about, you know, by position group and by skill set, I guess, even, you know, what needs to, what are the biggest needs on this team? And, uh, you want we just to list them out, what I thought, and we can kind of discuss them? Well, I mean, or? just go
0: through them one by one. So I did something different. I actually broke down the roster, and I identified, you know, I can look at the names and tell you who I thought was good and who wasn't, but then I also identified the departing players. So, okay. you know, as as you're listing them, I'll take a look at my list, and we can kind of discuss.
1: Yeah, mine's a little more higher level than that, so let, let's start. Oh, Jesus, um, okay. But like, no, no, I mean like... <laughs>
0: Listen, I did real work here.
1: <laughs> I just eyeballed it. <laughs> um, starting at number five, I said, you know, there has to be a long-term answer for quarterback. I, sure. Again, it's not—it's not my biggest need, but it's definitely one of the five biggest needs on this, you know, roster and on this team going forward.
0: Well, let's um, go through to... why we think it's not the biggest need.
1: Well, because I think that you know we have talked ad nauseum on this show that we think that Eli Manning still has enough in the tank. Given you know an offensive line and having a running game and stuff that you know it's not a complete train wreck under center at this moment
0: well i think Man. I think it's more um what better options are out there now and when you when you talk about picking a new quarterback, you're picking five years in the future, so you can't just pick a well, he's better than him I mean, how much better than him well, are we really talking
1: Well I' was just actually just looking at is it, this I don't think. Quarterback is one of the four or five biggest immediate needs on this team. I think that's kind of an indictment of the team, but Eli Manning still is a legitimate starter in this league. He's not a top five quarterback. He's not an all pro, but he is somebody that has proven in the last year that if you give him some time, you give him a running game, you give him healthy receivers, you give him a healthy tight end,
0: he can make plays. Well, now let's make that clear that, no team should be in a situation where a quarterback needs all of those things to win, but well, we, but we do. We kind of do. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, at a certain point, you got to look and see what other options there are. I mean, this is kind of what I'm saying. Like, yeah, the other guys in the market are not a huge upgrade, and so why spend for a well, minor upgrade?
1: Well, I mean, if Eli, if this contract ran out at the end of this year. You know, he was a free agent. He would, okay. This this would not be the number five need on this team.
0: Agreed, I would, yes. I would make
1: this a lot higher. Yes. The fact that we still have another year and with the cap number that he has, we're kind of stuck with him. Even yeah. if they even if they sign him to an, another year extension and they spread out that cap money a little bit, it's still going to be a high number, high enough that you can't just get rid of him. So to me, it's more of a question of, Finding what that long-term solution is going to be. And we may not find that answer in this draft, in this free agency period. It might boil over to next year. But to me, looking at the roster, that's the number five need. I would agree with Uh, that. Okay. Number four I have is linebackers. Okay. Because, you know, again, it's not going to question that we need more linebackers. We may be in a position we need to replace, you know, there is a potential we may have to tr- uh, get rid of uh, Ogletree. He might be a, ca- a cap casualty. So in addition to you know, getting you know, a-, a guy alongside him, we may have to get rid of him also and build some more. I think it's just a real position of need, especially as we're still going through that transition to a 3-4 defense. What do you think?
0: I think linebacker is a serious problem, and I think there's problems all over it. Uh, I mean yeah. – I'll go through, so when we're talking about just names, right? Here here are the starters last year. Olivier Vernon, Kareem Martin on the outside, Alec Ogletree, and BJ Goodson on the inside. Now, when you look at that, Martin was pretty good as a run stopper. Very good at maintaining the edge. He did not put up big sack numbers. Olivier Vernon was hurt most of the year. He shined in games where they were dominating competition. Alec Ogletree, I think, personally, surprised. He started out the year a little bit slow, not that good in coverage, wound up with a couple of pick sixes two games in a row. Um, I thought but, those he
1: were, but those really weren't coverage sixes. One was like a tip. One was thrown right in his face. I mean, I'm not going to take it away place. from him, though. No, no, no. I but mean, I mean he, he also
0: had the pick in Carolina that saved a touchdown. It yeah. was early on in the season. Yeah. I don't think he was bad. I mean, again, like you said, it's a high cap number, right?
1: That, and that's my biggest thing. Even the discussion with Vernon as well. You know, if these guys weren't making so much money, it's no brainers are on the team this year. But I think they have to decide. You know, are we really building, breaking this down, and starting over again, or do they think they have a chance to? make some noise and they want to keep these guys
0: well uh, so that's it, what i'm saying it, it, i mean and,
1: and do they have a plan to replace him if they decide just to cut cap number because now you have to you know expand more Who you have to get so
0: well i guess what i'm saying is that as i'm saying it you know these guys were okay this guy was good at this none of these guys was spectacular at everything you know lorenzo carter wasn't really a starter but he did show some good coverage skills a little bit um and he has good speed to rush the passer, but, you know, he's hardly refined. You know, he never really made it as a starter, which is fine. So, I mean, there's no real true star in this group. And, you know, as we talk about cap numbers, Olivier Vernon's hitting a 19.5 cap. Alec Ogletree is hitting 11.75 cap. These are huge numbers. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. Yeah. This is this is a big problem, I mean, and it's all over the linebacking group.
1: Yeah. So that's my number four. Uh, number three to me is beefing up the secondary. Again, you know, if Janoris Jenkins is not on this team next year, we're relying on one starter who is a rookie who didn't play at all last year, and then you know we have no depth. So that to me is a a major cause of concern.
0: We there's more problems than that. So you're looking at our starters last year were Janoris Jenkins and B. W. Webb, right? Webb mm-hmm. was at best adequate. Um far better than I expected. Webb is not on the team currently. He is not on an active contract. If Jenkins is gone, then now you have none of your starters. So Sam Beal would be the best you've got Grant Haley. Um, and that's I'm
1: talking that's who I was referring to is um Sam Beal. Yeah.
0: Like but he one- you know, he had a shoulder injury too. So I mean it's not just that he was a rookie who didn't play, it's, we don't really know what we're gonna get, do we? No. And not he's playing all. coming out of Western Michigan, I think, right? Yes. I mean it's I mean not a school it's that hard- has no NFL talent, but it's
1: hardly DBU.
0: Yeah. Um, and then now you're let's let's talk about the safety position, since we're talking DBs, right? Mm hmm. Our starters last year were Landon Collins, Curtis Riley, and a little bit of Michael Thomas sprinkled in. You know, Curtis Riley, I think, might be the one guy who started that might have least deserved his spot. Landon Collins got hurt, but I mean, whatever. Those two guys aren't even on the roster. Neither one right. of them is on an active contract. There's no safeties. Yeah. This, I would say I would bump the secondary up to number two. I would personally.
1: I have them at three. Um, I have number two. I have the offensive line beefing up still. Yes. Because I know people are like, well, and Jalapio comes back at center. He has not proven to me he is a consistent, everyday NFL starting center. Agreed. So, I mean, I think people are way too ahead of their skis and thinking, well, when he comes back, that position is taken care of. I mean, who knows? Like, he went down when, week three or so? He might not have been starting by week seven or eight.
0: Selling cars! Yeah. It wasn't just this team that didn't have him on the team. It was all 32. The IAF didn't even pick him up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um... You know, and then we have questions at right guard. We have, in my opinion, questions at right tackle. Mm-hmm. And if we're saying that we're we think we can get by with Eli for one more year and maybe possibly transitioning to a rookie next year, well, who knows? That offensive line has to be in a in some state of consistency, or else that plan backfires and we're right back to where we were last year. So. You know, we've, we've made some strides on the left side of the line, but we're not nearly done yet. And it's too valuable of a group to, you know, ignore. And it has to, it has to be some, you know, whether it's drafting or being creative with free agency to get some guys, but it has to be beefed up.
0: I agree. Um, I do think that center, right guard, and right tackle need some solutions. I think that what they got out of Jamon Brown was pretty nice. I think... I think they have to upgrade two of the three positions, right? If they mm-hmm. decide that Jamon Brown is worth bringing back and uh, they roll with him as a starter eventually, that's the eventual turnout, then they need to invest some serious capital in replacing center and getting a right tackle that can do anything. And also, um,
1: what do you, what do you think is going to cost to bring him back? I mean, is, I'm thinking there's going to be some competition for him too. Uh,
0: you know, a little bit, but I don't think it'll be – we won't be will be the Andrew Norwell sweepstakes.
1: Yeah, I hope but, not. Yeah. not. Not not at a right guard. I mean, he's not a left tackle or something that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, but but I mean, he also didn't perform so well. Look, we are all a little jaded. We haven't seen a good right guard on this team since Chris, Chris Snead. And that was Chris Snee in his prime. I mean, the last couple of years, he was really hardly Chris Snead. So when Jamon Brown in, came in and he you know, moved some guys, we were all floored by some slightly above-average right guard play. I'm not sitting here telling you that Brown is a building block to build this line around. He's not. Uh, he had some struggles, particularly in pass protection. But he is – now, if you want to pick one of the three, right, Chad Wheeler, Jamon Brown, or John Jalapio – one of those three will be adequate if you upgrade the other two. Even Chad Wheeler, yes. So, I mean, it, if you get enough, if you upgrade the center and the right guard position to above average players, you can get by with Chad Wheeler at right tackle because, you know, you get enough push in the middle, you have a pocket to step up into. No team has...
1: In, and Rome's not built in one day either.
0: Of course. Throwing the kitchen sink at a position group like the offensive line is not going to yield you five all pros. It doesn't. Ha- the Dallas Cowboys offensive line came from five or six years of building. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Philadelphia. This is not something that you can just fix overnight. As much as us fans would like that to happen to get out of these dog days, it's not how it works. So... They, if they if they put the capital in uh upgrading the center and the right guard you can get by with chad wheeler giving a pocket to step up into even some tight end help whatever it takes if they upgrade you know right guard and right tackle they can get by with john jalapio if they upgrade center and right tackle you know they can get by with jamon brown i think each one of those pieces is adequate but having all three be adequate is what's devastating this line they need some more superstars on they're all grouped together over there. I mean, it's a mess. So,
1: and we were lucky that we weren't hit with the serious injury bug on the offensive line either. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Lafio, There's no
0: depth. There is no depth on this Lafio line. Palapio
1: got hurt and he was out early, but we didn't have the situation we did last year where we were down to the you know the, the guy who pushes carts at Target coming in and being a you know a right tackle or something. So, yeah.
0: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, and number one, I have the biggest need on this team. Is a pass rush? Oh God! I mean, it is. You know, you see it uh, towards the end of games where this offense, the defensive line runs out of gas. You see it turn, you know, third and longs and stuff. There is no pass rush on this team. And good quarterbacks, you give them any amount of time, they'll pick apart any defense. So that to me is issue number one on this team. I think you're going to see a lot. I was actually thinking about this, like where most of the resources are going to be spent in this off season. I think it's going to be on the defense more than the offense.
0: I agree with you. Well, definitely because we listed the defensive backs. It's, it's, you know, potentially four positions. Mm-hmm. If, if they decide not to retain Jenkins, they don't really know what they have in Beal. You have both safety spots because Collins is not currently signed. And now mm-hmm. you have both corner spots when I, so, it, you know, when you said linebackers, I I kind of winced a little bit because it's hard for me to separate in a three-four outside linebackers from defensive ends. It's just yeah. such a fluid thing. But you know, as best I could, I kind of broke it down. I'm gonna list off what I have listed as a defensive end.
1: Yeah, well, I, my my thought was thinking more of the the hybrid that kind of goes more into pass coverage and. Yeah, so you you're, know.
0: you're more talking about offensive uh, outside linebackers like Lorenzo yeah. Carter, Olivier yeah, 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 Vernon. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: But but just for, for context, Josh Morrow, not on the team, also not very good. Kerry Wynn, not on the team. Mario Edwards, not on the team. And then somebody named Humphrey and somebody named Ceresna. That's the defensive ends on this team. I mean, you have some guys like Avery Moss that are sort of in between. But, I mean, is that a name to get super excited about? Now, granted, I will say the defensive tackle spot they loaded up on in two years. With Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, and R.J. McIntosh, I think are well. B.J. Hill is a stud. Dalvin Tomlinson's solid, and R.J. McIntosh I think is a good change of pace guy. And Give him they had some snacks.
1: Uh, and they had snacks that they were really building a rotation. I think they just decided, you know, when everything was going downhill, let's just start getting assets and and cutting some of the cap money too. So, but that was not the plan. Was to get rid of. They didn't, you know, draft B.J. Hill thinking they were going to cut Snacks.
0: No, I don't think so. I, they they did say, and I, I never know how much of this to believe, but they did say that one of the reasons was they felt that Dalvin Tomlinson was playing out of position because of Snacks. That's so.
1: possible. I, I think I've heard that as well.
0: I mean, but the I, other I, thing I, is...
1: I, I, I think you're going to move one of the best run stoppers in the league <laughs> just because a second-round pick is playing out of position, though.
0: No, I think... I Well... I think it's a second round pick who is playing well is playing out of position for one twentieth of the price.
1: Yeah. So that's that's fair.
0: What's interesting is um this draft is full of pass rushers. So I know I know that Giants Twitter thinks that the number one problem is Eli Manning, the number two problem is offensive line. Let me tell you the two things this draft has the least of. Quarterbacks, <laughs>
1: Quarterbacks and, and offensive, offensive line.
0: line. <laughs> you have we- to take what the draft gives you. You cannot reach for positions because you are not drafting positions. You're drafting players. Right.
1: Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, When I was talking about these are the five biggest needs, I did not say these five biggest needs would be solved with this draft. I said True. they need to be. They need to be dressed, you know, short-term free agency, longer-term draft, and over 2019, 2020, and beyond. Again, this offensive line is not going to be solved by what happens in April and July. You know, the secondary is going to take more than just the draft in April, you know, to be be solved.
0: And and guys that are drafted are not going to come in and be superstars. Saquon Barkley— is an anomaly. Even though the, he was the second overall pick, that's still an anomaly for a guy to come in and be as outstanding as he was right out of the gates. That yeah. doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> and you know something, and again, when we talk a little more about in you know, our position breakdowns and stuff and talk about Barkley's year, you know, as good as he was, I feel like it was highlight driven. And I still yeah. feel there's there is a lot more potential for him to be a much more deadlier weapon by being more consistent running the ball and stuff. Cause you know again, what I think have- is
0: going to happen? I think if they upgrade this offensive line, he's going to be less exciting to watch, but he'll put up bigger numbers. Yeah. I mean, he's I, go- I, Yeah. He's not going to have to dance I, around all 11 defensive players in the backfield and then score 70 yards. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I think my vision of this offense in the next three to five years is kind of, you know, they're going to be building it around him and what he can do. And I think you're going to see a little more a little more ball control relative to some of these other offenses you're seeing because you have such a weapon out of the backfield like him. And, and you're right. A lot of it is the offensive line just did not create enough of a pusher to consistently get. Four yards, five yards, six yards, four yards, five yards. A lot of it he had to do on his own. And the explosive play was a result of what he had to do on his own. You know, cutting back and going against the grain. Things he probably wouldn't have to do with any type of blocking. So I I, I buy that 100%. I also think the running game will be better because of it, though.
0: Here's another thing I think is going to happen. And it's not that I view it as a very high need. But as I looked at it, I think that resources are going to be spent on a tight end, perhaps to replace Rhett Ellison, not this year, but the year after, who is a true threat to block and catch the ball, but really emphasis on his ability to block first and a fullback. I truly think that if they're going to build around Barkley, a fullback will be added to the mix. Perhaps it's the same guy too, this tight end fullback thing.
1: One of those hybrid guys, it's just like an H-back kind of.
0: Yeah. I, I, I truly think that that, I mean, when you look at it, there was an emphasis on Scott Simonson getting meaningful reps. Um, You know, Eli Penny was a, a not a big part of the offense, but I mean, Certainly not one that we thought was necessary before they brought him in, right? I mean, nobody said anything about a fullback.
1: So that means we're saying that Evan Ingram becomes more of a wide receiver than a tight end, or more less well, emphasis on him blocking, or or we also figure because we haven't been through a year in five years where all of our wide receivers, at least somebody hasn't been hurt.
0: Well, there's that,
1: and he's um, had a slide into. And we've had people sign into different positions out of need.
0: I think. I think. All I'm saying is, despite Evan Ingram, Pat Shermer utilized both Ellison and Simonson, right? Simonson's currently not on the roster, by the way. Right. Ellison's contract, he is under contract for both 2019 and 2020. Um, They're fairly identical in, you know, cap hits those two years. But they're, they're pretty high, right? I could see a tight end being brought in to replace Simonson this year. So that you have Evan Ingram, Rhett Ellison, new tight end. And, uh, you know, next year maybe Rhett Ellison's cut and that guy gets promoted up. That's what I'm saying.
1: I can see that for sure.
0: Other than that, the only other thing that I really noticed – I mean, you really hit everything. Um, But it's going to be interesting to see how much longer Zach D'Ossie hangs around on this roster. Um, Not that they're up against the cap ball, but there's – you know – He's the one of the best long snappers in the league for sure, but you know it's a million dollars a pop every year for a long snapper. Getting old, I think he's like thirty-five.
1: He, he makes a million dollars a year, so you're saving four or five hundred thousand by bringing in someone that may not be as reliable. I don't.
0: I I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, he's had back issues. He's thirty-five. That's really more what it is.
1: Yeah. At a certain I mean, point,
0: he's... they know they have to replace him. They might start thinking about it now. Is all.
1: Yeah, I think as long as he's healthy, that's his job until he doesn't want to do it anymore or can't do
0: it anymore. That's fair. Yeah. But again, this is a guy who's currently not under contract, so they, it's a decision they have to make this year.
1: Uh, one thing I didn't put on my list, and I'm kind of thinking about it as we're talking, is uh, returner. Turner.
0: Mm. Quadri Henderson is still under contract, I believe. So is Jawill Davis. I think... I think they would like to get something out of Joel Davis. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I thought Henderson looked pretty good. I
1: guess. I mean, did, did any one punt return in particular even stand out from what we had this year?
0: Nope.
1: So that means that you need a little, may something they may may want to look at, you know. Uh, well, I mean, there's a plethora of those late round I... picks. When we do our, our annual, we overanalyze who the fourth receiver is. I think, you know, can this guy be a punt returner? Maybe part of the thing we're looking at maybe going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a hard thing for us to judge. I mean, there's only so many practices we can watch, and it really depends on how often they did it in college, right?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, but, I mean, the Giants do have a plethora of mid- to late-round picks. So how they want to spend that is, uh, you know, on them. Yeah, and something else we –
1: and something we had talked about too is that, you know, one of my theories is that we're going to be looking for our quarterback in 2020, and I would not be surprised if any of these, you know, overloaded draft picks we have get kind of used for next year to, you know, to get a better draft pick to try to get that quarterback, so.
0: Absolutely. So it's not pretty. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about the Patriots here, gang. We're yeah. talking—we're talking about a team that's won what nine games in the last two years? Eight, eight. Oof,
0: right? Didn't we win five this year?
1: <laughs> I stopped counting after two.
0: Um. Speaking of losing, uh, I—I I guess it was Art Stapleton guessed that um the Giants would be starting opening weekend against the Patriots.
1: Yeah. Um, So the rumors have been, now traditionally the Super Bowl champion hosts the first Thursday night game. But there's been some rumors lately that because it's the 100th anniversary of the NFL, they may want to go to have the Packers and Bears at Soldier Field. Um, But Art Art Stapleton actually had something on Twitter today saying he had a gut feeling that it would be the Giants at New England his rationale being that the giants always have huge ratings on primetime games in NBC and um, the giants are more appealing as a uh, TV's rating in the beginning of the year, as opposed to when they could potentially be two and five or two and eight or three and seven or something. Um, I personally, I would have no problem playing new England, the first game of the year or as early as possible in the season. The Patriots treat the first month of the year like it's extended preseason every single year.
0: It's I mean, true. how
1: many how many times have we read the article on October first that it's the end of the line for the Patriots, the dynasty's over, you know, the defense stinks, Brady can't get going, blah 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 blah. And then it comes to February third and they the win parade seven straight. <laughs> and the parade is going down Commonwealth Avenue, whatever Fucking road is in, in Boston. So to me, I mean, they're on the schedule next year. I'd like to get them as early in the season I possibly can. I mean, who knows what other future Super Bowl MVP will be suspended for PEDs next year? Uh, who knows? If, who knows if Tom Brady is really, you know, getting it if he's himself position to be successful in January and February and taking, you know, September like it's still July. I mean it's a, it's an easier chance to sneak into Foxborough and win then than, you know. The, the weather will probably be optimal then. You're not dealing with bad weather up in New England. So if that's the case, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, I mean we gotta play him, right? And it's gotta be in Boston, right? Or whatever. We gotta
1: play we gotta play him up there anyway. So um you know, I I don't think it'd be a problem for me.
0: I don't know. I I agree with the Patriots aspect of it. Um, I just I hate starting the year on prime time. It's just it makes me. Makes no personally. difference
1: to me. It makes no difference to me.
0: I really liked starting at one o'clock at home this year.
1: Well, here's the thing for me personally, I like that first weekend of either being in a bar or just being on the couch and flipping around, watching six, seven games for the first time. It's that, oh yeah, we're back into the routine and back into the groove. Um, Or, you know, to be quite selfish, I'm usually hauling ass back from Gainesville on Sunday morning. And I kind of like how the Giants play on Sunday night. Now, I could do without playing at Dallas every opener every year. That seems a little crazy. But I, I don't have a problem with the um, being on primetime. I like that uh, we are still relevant enough, even though we have been terrible last few years, that we do get the primetime
0: spots. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to be uh, ungrateful about that. It's just mm-hmm. it, it was nice to have a change of pace last year. You know, it was always starting 8-20 in Dallas 820 in Dallas Al Michaels Chris Collinsworth enough 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 just something <laughs> I mean I guess the fact that it'll be Thursday night will be something I like different Chris Collinsworth yeah. <laughs> same it'll, thing. Be so, it'll be something different the fact that it's Thursday night and like you said you'll have all of Sunday to just relax and watch and react yeah. uh but I I do the one o'clock is my favorite that that mess of games all going on at the same time and flipping through your phone and the Every time you know there's a timeout or a two minute warning, and you're like, "Oh shit, the Browns!" You know, I I love that. I love that. And when you're on the prime time, when the commercials hit, there's nothing else, man. I mean, you just nothing else is happening yet. So as a as a viewer, I like it less. As a spectator, I like it less. But if we're gonna do prime time, it might as well be when it's still warm out, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the thought of being in Boston for like December 10th isn't very appealing.
0: No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's okay. I mean, it sucks that we're playing the Super Bowl champions at all, so.
1: Well, we played him twice last year, which sucked.
0: We did? Oh, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The turkeys down uh, the turnpike from us? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know it. That seemed more fluky than uh, a six-time winner. But yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, what other option do you think it really uh, would be? I mean, if if the Patriots are not, let's just say it's Chicago and uh, Green Bay, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does does that? But is it like an automatic thing that we're just playing Dallas? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I I think everybody played a division team to start the season. I think I think you start the season, you definitely end the season with a division team. I'm pretty sure everybody played a division team
0: to yeah. start. Yeah, they like to cram them in the beginning and the end because they're the most interesting.
1: Right, right. And I like that. You know, I think yeah. that, that's cool. I mean, again, I could do without us playing at Dallas every single time. And
0: I do like getting them home in time. December, though. I will say that.
1: Sure. Well, that's why I always am, you know, I have a problem playing away early because the games that are more important I like to have in my house. I mean, the way the schedule usually seems to break shake out is that we're playing at least two division home games in December. It's been like that for quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, at some point, if we're ever good again, those games are going to mean something. And uh, I like to have them in, in, in my neighborhood.
0: I'd like to get on top of Philly early. I wouldn't mind that being the first game of the year.
1: First game of the year home against Philly?
0: Doesn't matter. They're both away games. <laughs>
1: Great. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get good soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watch these stupid Knicks tanking and I have to deal with the Giants losing and need something good.
0: Dropped. Yeah, well. i sick of it. I, I'm with you. I mean, your Rays may not do much better, but... What are
1: they talking about? They won 90 games last year. They, they they should be a wild card team this year. At least they're halfway decent. Oh. My Lightning are the best team in the NHL, so I got I got a little bit of half full, half empty, but my half empties are empty.
0: Gross. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, on Sunday at 4 o'clock, your Orlando Apollos are taking on the That's s- right. San, San Antonio Commanders. The in the Alamo Dome.
1: You throw the record books away when those two get together.
0: <laughs> it's always a fight to the finish when you that's know, right. the Alamo. <laughs> oh, man.
1: What time's our flight?
0: Well, that's the thing. So I said I said on Twitter, and I'm I st- I'm sticking with this. I am an Apollos fan. Uh, I looked at <laughs> – I didn't even look at the logos. I literally was just reading about it. I was like, oh, Steve Spurrier is coaching the Apollos. And I'm down with I it. it. I it. And then I looked I I at the it. logos, and their logo is badass. It's awesome. Um, yeah. it's sort of like an O but the, the front of the O is like the an archery bow and it's a guy pulling it back so it's like Apollo it's, it's awesome, I love it um, <laughs> love that, love the colors it's, it's great um, don't really care about Orlando um,
1: love uh, Austin Appleby throwing touchdowns once a gator, always a gator
0: <laughs> Austin Appleby yeah I thought it was Garrett Gilbert
1: I thought it was Austin Appleby
0: I don't know. i have to check that. I have to know my, well, my roster.
1: Well, I've not been able to find one box score for that game anywhere. Like ESPN <laughs> kind of ignores it.
0: Well, they're, They'll find a way to jump on it and throw their ads all over it. but They're probably <laughs> just jealous that CBS has some sort of rights to it. Jealous?
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have wall-to-wall uh, Anthony Davis coverage and uh, have AAF at the same time. So
0: <laughs> that's not happening. I, uh... I, I made this deal to the universe on Twitter, and uh, if this league makes it to a fourth year, which I believe... Did the USFL make it to four years? It started Only in 83.
1: It had three years, and then... The
0: they, fourth year it failed. I think it folded in the fourth year.
1: No, no, no. They they were going to go from the f- one spring and then play the following fall. Uh-huh. So there was like a 15, 16 month break. And in between that time, that's when the lawsuit happened and that's when they lost it and they were done.
0: Yeah. So it, if the AAF makes it to a fourth year, that will be a benchmark, right? I mean, that would have survived longer than the USFL. Yes. So if it makes it to not a fourth as, not year. as long as long not, not as long as, as the
1: WFL, not as long as the AFL, but. No, but well, yeah.
0: well, the AFL is a legitimate merger. I mean, that's that yeah. that is the essentially the goal is to be as successful as the AFL where a merger is a success uh potential, you know, viability. Um the WFL I think is a little different just cuz it existed on another continent. So
1: No, 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 the World Football League in the 70s, it was a uh it was like a, a, a sp- I think it was in the spring, but it was, like, after the AFL and before the USFL.
0: Oh, I don't know anything about that, actually.
1: Yeah, I played for, like, three or four years, maybe.
0: Okay. Well, whatever. If it makes to it the fourth yeah. year, to me, that's a benchmark. I will buy Apollo's gear. And I will <laughs> okay. I'll wear it, I guess. I don't know what else to do with
1: it. I will start a big countdown clock for 1,200 days before we make our big trip to Modell's and get hey, our... Hey, man,
0: at this point, the Apollos are off to a better start than the Giants have been since 2016, so... <laughs>
1: Well, at this point, we've talked more about the Apollos and the Giants in this episode, so they got that going for them.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, then I guess on that note... um,
1: <laughs> It might be time to go to sleep.
0: Yeah. Um, Follow me on Twitter for all your AAF action. But no, seriously, <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm going to start my film breakdown, so anything that I feel is interesting enough that I want to write it down before our show, I absolutely 100% will. um. I am at football underscore grump. So get ready for a lot of draft talk.
1: Catch me as always at the cranky fan where I am talking a lot about everything right now. Our 17 loss in a row, New York Knicks, my best in the NHL, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm still making fun of UCF wherever I can and making fun of Florida State for their pathetic draft class. I am insulting everyone and being insulted by even more. So check me out on Twitter at The Cranky Fan. And while you're at it, while you're on the social worldwide internet blogosphere, why don't you take this podcast and download it and subscribe to it on SoundCloud. And for the six week in a row, I have not fixed the problem on iTunes. I will try again this week, ladies and gentlemen, so you'll get more than just static. And also, while you're in the downloading and subscribing mood, why don't you download and subscribe to my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we discuss all things Florida Gator football. So at least you can talk about one team that's won 10 games last year.
0: Wow, that was quite a wrap-up there. Got everything.
1: You know something? I've become the wrap-up guy on the other show also, so I'm really honing my skills as a –
0: Master MC, it's it's nice that you're using the other show as an AAF of sorts.
1: I do. It's my springboard to greatness.
0: <laughs> you're springly. It's like a farm. I think the nine system.
1: people listen to that one. and the eight listen to this one, and you know, <laughs> we have a, a clown car of uh, loyal followers. So right I there, it's a shrimp cocktail. That's right. So I, we appreciate every one of, well, the one of you out there who does listen to us. So keep it. Keep all the comments and the hate mail coming because we do appreciate it.
0: Oh, yeah. The, the loads of hate mail. Well, so l- check it out next week. Um, we will have our first episode on the draft class and free agents. We are doing quarterbacks, so big for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um,
1: <laughs> We're not guaranteeing anybody will be a member of the New York Giants after May 1st, but. We definitely want to see what's out there and see if it's worth it to invest in the future now.
0: Absolutely. So be sure to stop by and check in that one.
1: Yeah, it's not as simple as talent. There's a lot of factors we're going to be considering, whether we're going to make the plunge this year or wait.
0: Go Apollos!